Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. And welcome to Lucy's Week in Ambridge. This week in Ambridge was brought to you by people pretending to be what they weren't. Gavin pretended to be a hopeless gambler rather than just hopeless. Linda taught Freddie how to lie to the villagers to get them to do what he wanted. Lily told Johnny uh, to pretend to give a toss about the Christmas show. And Eddie wrapped himself up in such an extraordinary tissue of lies, he has ended up being employed by David to keep a sharp eye out for himself. We began the week with the Grundies buggering around at Brookfield. Straight back to business as usual. Eddie trespassing and hunting for fantasy treasure with a metal detector, while William scowled away in the background complaining. He's been delivering bridge fresh boxes and tidying up Joy Horville's lady garden, and without that, he doesn't know how he would survive for the last six months. Well, we were kind of hoping you hadn't, Will. But as you hear, we'll crack on. No hard feelings, mate. It was all a bit confusing, really, as Eddie was wanging on about shite hawks or something who were doing exactly the same thing as him, as far as I could see, and then said they didn't even sound like they came from the county. Eddie, no one in Ambridge sounds like they come from the same county. Eddie talking to Will sounds like a farmer from the Cotswolds who's got on the wrong bus and got off in Taunton rather than father and son. Ed reported the shite hawks to Ruth, who blew a gasket yet again, and as a result, Ben went belting round the farm, quivering like a jelly, posting laminated notices on all the cows. Lily went to see Johnny and demanded that he persuade Freddie that she should take over the Christmas show. She didn't tell Johnny what her idea was, and Freddie hadn't told anyone what his idea was either. Uh, That didn't stop either of them thinking their ideas were the best. You can't play confusing games like that with Johnny, a man who gets confused by Tupperware. We found later what the ideas were, and they weren't exactly revolutionary. In fact, I'd have put money on both of them having been done before at least once. But the good news is nothing appears to be in rhyme, thank the Lord for small mercies. It seems to be a choice between a Dickens thing, uh, the mawkish death of a child and a fat man laughing, and a Christmas in Ambridge. The mawkish death of a badger and Lillian Bellamy laughing. Either way, it sounds utterly appalling, so hoorah, everything is back to normal. Over at Brookfield, David and Ruth are dealing with the eviction of the fair brethren from Hollow Tree with their customary sensitivity and awareness. Ruth did point out that it might be tricky not having Toby around. Not because she'd like her granddaughter to have a father, but because Pip needs help with childcare. Rex won't mind giving up though, will he? No. We'll just have to move the wieners in with him and Bert. They can all sit together on the sofa eating crumpets and watching Strictly. It's nice for Bert to have some more company. Shula is back. She seems to be showing a slightly proprietorial attitude towards St Stephen's, which I didn't much like. Not yet, Shula. And anyway, 
I'm hoping once she gets vicared, she'll be posted to either Papua New Guinea, or at the very least, a really rough bit of Felpersham where she'll be surrounded by crap dens and tarts. Do the world of good. Anyway, Crosty and Philip went to inspect her leaking bell tower, and while Philip was limping around, Shula and Kirsty had an in-depth conversation about how to help someone who has an imaginary gambling habit. Well, Alistair had a real one, but he can probably help people who have made-up ones, said Shula. Then Gav had to go off and attend a Gamblers Anonymous meeting with Kirsty, and they sat in the car park for two hours like shy doggers. Freddie popped over to see Lindy Bottom and to inquire how the hell she managed to recruit anyone to be in her damn Christmas efforts. Every single show I have done, no one has volunteered, she said indignantly. How could you not know that, Freddie? Do you not listen to the archers? Over at Brookfield, David was taking pot shots at someone he'd found hiding in a ditch and it turned out to be Eddie. And this bewildering situation ended up with Eddie having his metal detector confiscated by David and having to promise to protect Brookfield against, well, Eddie. And even a spectacular own goal on that scale didn't stop him saying that sooner or later, the Grundy's time would come. Eddie may be delusional, but at least he's consistent. Freddie bought a new Gay Grables brochure round to show Linda. She was quite impressed with the new indoor swimming pool. That's what used to be the kitchen, but after all the rain, they just left it as it was. And the rockery in the lobby. She very nearly sounds like her old self now she's made up with Robert, but said she was still disturbed by loud bangs. So are the neighbours, Linda. You want to soundproof that shepherd's hut? Meanwhile, the big story of the week trundled on. We all sat with bated breath waiting to find out if an abusive sociopath was going to be unveiled to those that supported him for what he was or whether he would bully people into continuing to lie for him. But enough of the presidency, I'm talking about Philip Moss. Thankfully, if he does persuade Paul Crusty to come away with him to Wales, they'll get as far as Shropshire and then get turned back by a furious man in a fluorescent jacket and full PPE, waving a thermometer. And quite right too. Just like on the international stage, we want to see people get their comeuppance right in front of us. And with any luck, by the time that happens, Pennsylvania might have finished bloody counting. The end.